Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. It's easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? I'm proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who will win. Buckeye Podcast, by fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OHIO! Welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I am your host, Buckeye Boggs. That man over there is the wild man, Chris Wilds. Welcome in. Welcome back, everybody. It is great to have you all in today. We've got an amazing show for you. A couple real nice topics. A great guest, former Buckeye and uh, national champion from 2002 team, Chris. Ben Hartsock is going to join us this evening. Really looking forward to this. Ben is a great guy, great dude, does a lot of good stuff. Uh, he's on Sirius XM, Chris. Yeah. Uh, he's very in touch with the college football game. Uh, cannot wait to talk to him. And we can't wait to talk to all of you, including you, Larry Daniels. Welcome in. He says, greetings, everybody. Uh, every week, our buddy, Ryan Wickerham. What up, fellas? What up, Ryan? Good to have you in. Uh, go ahead and drop your comments, whether you're on Facebook or YouTube. Drop your comments. Let us know what you're thinking tonight about our topics. We would love to have your participation. Also, you are not going to want to miss next week's show. Chris, next week is our anniversary show. We turn four, like the four horsemen. Woo! Four next week, and we've got prizes and we've got a huge announcement for everybody. So you're not going to want to miss next week's show. Make sure you tune in live next Sunday night at 8 p.m. Right here, same place, same time. And for that matter, tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. We are here hopefully to entertain you, educate you, and build this great Buckeye community. All right, Chris, let's get right into what is happening tonight. First topic, winter workout update, Chris. News and rumors. There has been a lot of rumors circulating around the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. Looking forward, Chris, to talk to you tonight about some of those. And by all means, let us know what rumors you have heard, Buckeye fans, down in the comments section below. Uh, we want to make sure that you get your voice heard tonight as well. All right, Chris, I'm going to go ahead and fire one at you tonight. 
and then let you respond and you can fire one back at me and we'll see how many we can get through before we rank the Big Ten coaches. That's coming up next. There has been a lot of smoke around the Woody Hayes Athletic Center that a certain uh, a sophomore who really should be a freshman is making a lot of headway, that being Sonny Styles. Apparently, Sonny Styles is the real deal. He looks great. He is not only competing, but might have already <coughs> locked down a starting safety position and looks like he might be the, the the guy that this defense needs to take that next step in the backfield, Chris. Yeah, I'm excited, Eric. We saw this kid last year. Uh, you know, and at times we saw this young man flash in his limited opportunities. And I'll tell you, I'm excited about Sonny Styles. I've heard the same thing. Uh, making huge leaps, huge strides. Uh, you know, I, I really hope he gets his opportunity because this kid, you know, he was born to be a Buckeye. He's, he's got that, uh, he, he's got the natural talent, natural instinct. I think he's a huge asset and going to make a tremendous splash this season as well. But, you, you know, I'm going to move to another room, Eric, and that's the running back room. You know, we, we got decimated by injury last year and, uh, one of those injuries was Travion Henderson, and there's been a lot of speculation about possibly his future with the Buckeyes. Um, he wasn't real happy about the way things played out with that injury. Uh, you know, there were some comments made, but it looks like maybe, just maybe, uh, that Ryan Day, Henderson, and uh, running back coach to, uh, Tony Alford have maybe uh, hashed things out a little bit, and possibly might we not be looking at a transfer now. And if they're all healthy, is this the uh, – best running back room that Ohio State's ever seen if all three are healthy? I don't you know? know if it's the best we've ever seen, but I'll tell you this much. There's a lot of talent in that room, and it's def- and if it's com- if it all comes back and it's all healthy, Chris, uh, Ryan Day's going to have a lot of option there at that running back room, and I'm, I'm all for that. It's going to make it a lot nicer for the quarterback who's starting, isn't it? Yeah. Facebook user says, what's up, Bogsy? So that's got to be someone who knows me. Hey, uh, wherever you made that comment, my friend, let me know who you are. Um, Some of the Facebook, um, wherever you're watching this on Facebook, if you're not watching it on our uh, business page, we can't see who the comment comes from. So let me know who you are. Uh, We we both posted on our personal Facebook pages as well. So uh, he says, it's Blake. What's up, Blake? Nice. Thank you so much, buddy. Um, so there you have it, man. Uh, there, there's a couple rumors. Let me give you another one, Chris. This one really surprised me when I heard this one. Um, Caden Curry. Larry Johnson is big time on Caden Curry. And so much so that he flat out came right out and said it. He's competing for starting playing time. Um, that's not so much a rumor as it has been been verified already. I think you can pencil Caden Curry in as the number two defensive end behind Jack Sawyer to start the season, but I wouldn't be shocked if Caden Curry pushes for more starting playing time. And the way Larry Johnson likes to rotate his defensive line, I think Caden Curry's going to get a lot of snaps, Chris. Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree. And you know what? Is it going to hurt to have three tremendous athletes like that able to to swap in and out when you look at JTT uh, uh Jack Sawyer and, and Caden Curry. I mean, having him there as that extra end. And like you said, I, I don't know that it matters so much. Well, it's not going to matter to the fans as much as long as they're producing. But, uh, y- you know, um, it, it's going to matter a little bit more probably to the players. But uh, I don't think it matters who's starting as long as we're getting production. And if we can get a production at all three, I think that's a tremendous uh, benefit in what I think is going to be a much more sack happy offense this year, to be honest. I think defense. that we're going to sack oh, defense, happy yeah. defense. Sack, sack happy defense. Oh, yeah. That was whoop, slip the tongue. <laughs> uh, sack happy defense. Yeah. I think that we're going to see a much improved defensive backfield. Uh, and, and I think that's going to allow them to be more aggressive on that line. Uh, so having that third guy ready to go at defensive end, I think is a excellent, excellent position to be in. But, but hey, you know, I started talking offense. Let's talk about it, Eric. And let's talk a little bit about the quarterback room. You know, a lot's been made about, uh, you know, the possibility of who's going to take over. Obviously, I think the odds on favorite, as everybody has thought, is, uh, you know, of course, Kyle McCord. 
you know, and, and a lot of people, I think, put a lot of stock in the fact that he's played with Marvin Harrison Jr. and has a natural chemistry going back to high school with him. Uh, but, you know, uh, from what I've heard, from what you've heard as well, from what I understand, Eric, uh, maybe the gap isn't quite as big between Kyle McCord and uh, Brown. Devin Brown. Yeah, and Devin Brown as what everybody makes it out to be. Uh, and might this also tell us a little bit about maybe the direction Ryan Day is going to go in recruiting his quarterbacks? Um, you, I mean, Devin Brown is, is – when we look at Devin Brown, I think we think of him much more of a Urban Meyer-style quarterback versus the Ryan Day-style quarterback, I think. Because if you look you look at Day's quarterbacks with, with Hassan, I mean, yes, you know, Justin moved around a lot. He did. But – you look at Haskins, you look at, at uh, Stroud, uh, you know, it seems Statues. to be yeah, they stay, it seems to favor those pocket passers, but should Brown beat him out? Is that going to have an effect on what we see in the direction that, that Ryan Day takes his recruiting in the future? I don't know. So especially if he can emulate half the success that we saw out of Justin Fields with what Ryan had with him. Now I I don't know if McCord is is if he's more like C.J. Stroud or maybe a little bit uh, more of a runner. Uh, he's not afraid to run, but the comparisons that Devin Brown is getting is Joe Burrow. <sighs> Joe Burrow College, right? That if 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 he reminds Day of Joe Burrow, do you really think Day's going to make that decision again? Yeah, well, no, you you can't make that mistake. And it's hard to see here and argue that it was a mistake that they made. It it wasn't at the time because you look at the season that Haskins put up. Right. It's hard to argue with those numbers. Right. But yeah, I, I agree with you. It's hard to make that same mistake twice. Yeah. By the way, Blake is my buddy Tom Blake. So it's so good to see you, Tom. I know you had some health trouble a little while ago. It's so good to, to see you here tonight, buddy. Really appreciate you joining in. Ryan Wickerham has chimed in a couple times about uh uh him being friends uh with uh uh the defensive ends family there. Um Curry's yeah, Caden Curry. And so he said that, that that was floating that was being floated around already at the end of last season. Got one more for you here before we, we transition. Uh Jaden Ballard is is apparently uh he's had all the skills. He's got tremendous mm-hmm. speed. Uh, he's got great ball skills, but the issue was was learning the position, but growing into the position, whether that be maybe mentally, emotionally. But it sounds like the fact that Agbuka's not participating right now, he's healing up from a, a surgery. Uh, you've got uh, same thing with Julian Fleming. Jaden Ballard is kind of taking this opportunity, and it sounds like he's running with it, uh, and he's running right there with uh, Harrison Jr. And that that could be a scary option. I think if there's an injury or the the, the door opens, Jaden Ballard might be ready to step in, become that solid number three if it's available to him, or obviously number four. And there's a couple younger guys too that are making waves. But I've heard really good things about Jaden Ballard, which is great, Chris, because I wasn't sure if he was going to get lost in the shuffle. He's he's hung out, he's hung it out, he's stuck with the program, and it sounds like it might pay off this season. Yeah, I, I've heard the same thing, Eric. It, it, I think it's going to be exciting to watch the spring game this year because I don't expect to see Marvin Harrison. I don't expect I don't to see Emeka Ibuka. Obviously, nope. I don't. I don't expect to see Julian Fleming. I think we go in there possibly looking at you know, Carnell Tate and Jaden Ballard. Uh, or or Tate, is that right? Carnell Tate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Took me a second. Had, had a moment. There. Senior moment, Eric. That's all right. Uh, I, I'm getting more of them lately. But, yeah, I think we look at Tate and, and Jaden Ballard probably starting that game at one and two. Yeah, you're going to see uh, Kion Grays. You're going to see Caleb Brown. You're going to see Caleb Burton, uh, Kojo Antwi. Those were the freshmen last year. You're going to have – I think there's two incoming freshmen that are already on campus, the you know the big five stars. I think they're going to be a part of spring ball, obviously. Well, and I've heard that Tate is looking the part already. Which is they, scary. They, they said he does not look like a freshman coming in. Right. So those are all great rumors. So 
Any more before we go on to our next topic, my friend? That, that's all I got for you, Eric. All right. Those are some of the news and rumors that we're hearing from winter ball. Uh, be, be, keep your ear to the ground because uh, spring ball starts, I believe, in a week and a half. And, and that's when the news really comes fast and furious. All right. Here we go. Oh, wrong one. Let's go to this one. Big 10 coaches rankings. Where does Ryan Day rank? Every year at this time, Chris, we tackle this. We yep. go from 14 to number one, and we try to decide where we're going to go. Now, here's what we're going to do. You and I have two different lists, yes. and they're not the same. No. So we're going to rank our own lists, and then I'm going to combine those lists together based on points. And then we will come up with a, a combined list for the show, and we will post that on our social media pages. So be on the lookout for that. But I want to hear from all of you, too, who you've got in these positions. Chris, let's start at number 14, work our way to number one. Go, go ahead. 14, I have got uh, Ryan Walters. Uh, the new head guy at Purdue, I think he's got a lot of work uh, ahead of him coming in. Um, you know, and I think he's really got to prove himself in the Big Ten. So for that reason, I got him starting at the bottom. Three new coaches in the Big Ten. Uh, two of them have experience. Both pretty well thought of head coaches uh, yeah. due to their previous work. This is the first. This is the only one who's got no head coaching experience. Number fourteen. That's hands down. I don't think the cupboard's empty in West Lafayette, but I also don't think it's nearly as good as what was there a year ago. So he's going to have to build this thing up. I got him at number fourteen as well. Yep. Well, I'll tell you what. For me, I've got Tom Allen at number thirteen. You know, had a great year at Indiana a couple years ago, but uh, kind of regressed quite a bit last year. And, uh, you know, it's not looking like a real bright future for him this year either. 2021 COVID year was magical for uh, the Hoosiers. And then 2022 came and it was returned to the mean. And now his seat's a little hot over there in Bloomington. He better have a little bit better of a year this year. Or I think the, the, the fans, the faithful fans might be saying, maybe this is not the guy for us. Maybe it's time for a change. I agree. I actually had Tom Allen at number 13 as well. All right. I'll tell you what, number 12, a guy I really like. Um, I think he's making progress over there in, uh, at Rutgers, but, uh, you know, just hasn't shown into the big results yet as far as in the win column. That's Greg Schiano. I'm with you, man. I actually have Greg Schiano at number 12, too, and I also like him. I mean, he's a former Ohio State uh, coordinator, 4-8 and eight last year in 2023. He has an overall record of 80-89, and 89, and that includes some years where they won the Big Ten East. Or, or um, excuse me, no, the, the Big East. Big East. Yeah, the Big East. They'll never win the Big Ten East. Uh, but the Big East back before it got, you know, became defunct. Uh, he was 11th in recruiting. Um, and, and he's got to win the state of New Jersey in recruiting. And he's got he's to win the transfer portal, Chris. And he just hasn't done that uh, yet. So I, I've got Greg Shiano with you at number 12. Yeah. Uh, for me, number 11. You know, I had high hopes for this guy after what Michigan State did a few years ago. But I, I got to go with Mel Tucker here. Uh, you know, kind of, yeah. I've got Mel Tucker all the way down here. Yeah. We are way different. I just, you know, he, he did really good with the transfer portal a couple years ago. But, he did. You know, last year it just didn't translate well. And, you know, what? until he... I mean, his career coaching record, I believe, is still below 500, if I'm not mistaken. Is it not? Uh, Mel Tucker's? Yeah. No. It's got to be just above then. Given it's those barely years. above, but it is yeah. above. Number 11 for me is Pat Fitzgerald. One in 11 last year, Chris. He he's, was. He's 110 wins to 101 losses. His recruiting class in 2023 was 10th. You know I have mad respect for Pat Fitzgerald and what he's been yeah. able to do historically at a school that has not much history at all. But the past couple years have been pretty bad. Yeah. And I don't know if they're going to be able to rebound at all. Some of those good players that they had have left the program. 
Yeah. Uh, remember that good defensive back they had in the Big Ten championship game? Yes. He skated and went to Notre Dame. So I just I just don't know at the transfer portal anymore, given the academic standards there and the fact that they don't have much history as far as being good. I, I like Pat Fitzgerald. I, I really wish he would go to a place where we could see what he really could do because he's handcuffed so bad he, there. He does more with less than any other coach in the country. I, I, I truly believe that. He has. Yeah, he absolutely has. But this is not this is not that. So no. I got him at 11th. All right, who's you got? Who you got 10th? Pat Fitzgerald. Okay. And I'm not going to rehash everything there, but yeah, Pat Fitzgerald. All right. Uh, let's see who I got at number uh, 10 here. Okay. Here's where I have Matt rule coming in. So 47 and 43 overall in college. Uh, we won't tell you what his record was there for the Carolina Panthers. He did have the fifth best recruiting class in 2023 in the Big Ten. Thought that was interesting. He also had some pretty nice transfers come in. I think Matt Rule can actually – I'm going to put pencil him in as this is his starting point. And I think he can actually get that program and he can start to move up these rankings. But I'm going to pencil him in right there and say that's where Matt Rule needs to be. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, for me, uh, number nine, this is where I've got Kirk Ferentz. Ah! Yeah, yeah. You know, he's had some decent years at Iowa. Oh, I can't wait. (sighs) Where's Aaron when we need him? (laughs) Here's the thing. Yes, he has been coaching since God was a teenager, no doubt about it. (laughs) But the fact is, uh, you know, he is a couple years removed from a Big Ten championship. He did... uh, you know, he had a respectable year last year. Okay, not really. He he had a fair year last year. <laughs> he had a heck of a defense. Almost talked. Almost always has. The, always almost has won the, the top Big Ten defense, West yeah. with a great defense. But my gosh, that offense, Chris. Okay, can 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 I jump in right here? Yeah. Okay. I have him at ninth as well. He's a hundred and eighty-six wins. 115th 15 losses. He had the seventh ranked highest recruiting class in 2023. But his inability to fire his son as offensive coordinator is yes. going to be his downfall. And he's losing his fan base. They they love the guy, but they they are beating their heads into the wall because they know it is the definition of insanity is to do the, the same thing over and over again and expect a different outcome. They're never going to get the outcome that they want in Iowa City because he does the same dang things over and over and over again. Case in point, look at Wisconsin. They are changing the direction of their program. Yes. And the excitement that is there in Madison, Wisconsin, is nowhere to be found in Iowa City because of where Kirk Ferentz is at. Let's throw this comment in here from, from Ryan. He says, I, the Iowa game, I called uh, that score. That's right, you did. I remember that, Ryan. You nailed that thing yes, at did. the tailgate. He got the exact score right. That is right. I totally forgot about that, Ryan. You're absolutely right. All right, who's number eight? Uh, number eight here, and I know you like him a little bit better than I do, but Mike Loxley. Uh, you know, I, I think he's doing a, a decent job at Maryland, but, you know, there's a few guys who I just think bring a little more to the table than what Loxley does. Number eight for me, this is where I have Mel Tucker, okay, from Michigan State. Five and seven last year, has an overall record of 23 and 21. All right, here's another reason why I put him up a little higher than you, Chris fourth ranked recruiting class in the big 10 in 2023. Yeah. Sparty. Um, he, he, I know he's got a program right now that has some, had some disciplinary issues last year, given what happened in Ann Arbor in the tunnel. Um, but he addressed those and he didn't back down from those. He faced them head on. I think he has a lot of mad respect from recruits and I think he is building something there. But my gosh, has he paid a lot? His his buyout is ridiculous. He's going to be there for the foreseeable future, so yeah. So you might as well ride and die with this guy if you're a Sparty fan. But this is where I have Mel Tucker. So that 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 brings us to the halfway point, right? So we should be on yep. number seven. And this is where I've got Matt Rule. I like Matt Rule a lot. I think he's going to bring a lot to the table. Uh, you know, he's done a pretty good job coming in recruiting at Nebraska this year. Um, I, I think he's going to really turn that program around. I think he's got the mindset uh, to change that program around much the way we saw happen at Baylor when he came down there. 
All right, number seven for me, this is where I put Luke Fickle. So my third of the new guys here. Um, 63 and 25 overall as a head coach. Uh, that includes a six and six season or six and seven season at Ohio State in 2011. Uh, and then he went on to Cincinnati and built that program into a team that made it all the way to college football playoff in 2021. Um, he had the 12th highest ranked recruiting class in the Big Ten, but he came in late, so he salvaged that. He's done a right. good job at the transfer portal, though. And I think I just I got this feeling. He's my prediction of Big Ten Coach of the Year. Uh, they don't always give it to the best team with the best players who wins the Big Ten. They usually right. give it to the coach who makes the best improvement. And given where Wisconsin was last year, with coupled with the players they have coming back, Coupled with the excitement he's going to bring and the fact that he's just a doggone good coach, I'm I'm almost confident Wisconsin's going to win the West. And I think he's going to be the Big Ten Coach of the Year. Well, I agree with that part, and that's why I've got him a little bit higher. But let's keep going here. Uh, next on my list, I've got P.J. Fleck here. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Fleck came in, with, I think, with a lot of, of high expectations to Minnesota. Uh, I think that he's done an okay job up there. I don't think he's lived up to those expectations. Uh, you know, I think a lot of that maybe two years ago, he was on the cusp of doing that and just fell a little bit short when Ibrahim went down to injury. Okay. But I've got him in there at number six. All right. Number six for me, it's Mike Loxley, eight and five last year, 23 and 54 overall as a head coach. Not great. Uh, did have the sixth highest recruiting class in 2023, but has there been a coach in the Big Ten who's turned his program around more than Mike Loxley in the last three seasons? I mean, no. PJ Fleck, but it's taken him a little longer. Yeah, Mike Loxley's actually turned his program around more. Him and Bielema, who I'll get Bielema. to here in a second, yep. have done more in turning their programs around. But here's the thing: Mike Loxley's done it in the Big Ten East. That yeah. ain't easy. Which is tough. That's tough. He's in the DMV. He's got a great recruiting uh, area to pull from. That's where I think he. I got him penciled in at. Go ahead. Who's next? Five for me, and you just talked about it, and that's Brett Bielema. You know, I think he's done a great job since since coming back to Illinois. You know, he he really turned that team into a good, good team. Not a great team, but he turned them into a good team. They've got a uh, they've got a good defense. They have a great run game that they've had over the last couple of seasons with him. And I really feel like we're only going to continue to see Illinois get better. Eight and five last year. Eight and he's five got, last year. He's got a winning record overall. If he does what he did last year consistently in Champaign, he'll be there forever. He'll never have yeah. to worry about his job. No. Yep. Uh, I, I got I got Brett Bielema at number five as well. Number four. Here you go. You've talked about him already. I, and, you know, I just think based on what he has done down at Cincinnati, I've got Luke Fickle in here. I really feel like he is poised for great success. I think this is the type of program where he will have great success. Uh, they like Luke Fickle's style of football in Wisconsin. He was born to coach in that type of environment, in that type of weather. And I think he is just going to excel in Madison. Number four for me is P.J. Fleck, row the bow. Uh, he's a trestle guy. Uh, he exudes great energy. He's consistently won at Minnesota. The last time yeah. Minnesota's been a consistent winner was when they were winning national championships in the 1940s, Chris. Yeah. Come on. I mean, let's give let's give some, uh, some mad uh, props uh, to what P.J. Fleck has done there at Minnesota. I got him at number four. And I still think he might be on a lot of coaches' short list for major programs. Possibly. Uh, for me, number three, it's got to be James Franklin. Uh, you know, Penn State uh, had a little bit of a rebound last year. But, uh, you know, P- Penn State is a good, solid program. I think that Franklin is doing a very good job. And I look for them to be a power player in the conference this season. Uh, we saw flashes out of their young talent last year that's only going to get better with that experience they gained. So I've got him at number three. Number three, it's got to be Franklin, right? And here's the thing, and I've been telling you all this, and this is the only thing I'm going to say is we need to get get, get to our uh, commercial break because I know Ben is with us. I see him, so I can't wait to talk to him. But um, 
Penn State was super young. I'm super scared of them this year. They're my yeah. they're my dark horse to make the CFP and win this Big Ten next year. Just I'm ho- I'm not hoping it happens. I hope Ohio State can do this thing, but this thing might be an absolute three horse uh, melee next year. I would not be shocked if Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State all beat each other, and we yeah. all have one loss. I wouldn't be shocked with that at all. Number two. Here we go. You're going to kill me, aren't you? It's got to be Ryan Day. It has to be Ryan Day. Oh, man, Chris. I want want to put Ryan Day at number one. I do. I always want to put Ryan Day at number one, but I just can't do it. Um, And the fact is that the guy sitting at number one has had more success over the last two years than Ryan Day. I've questioned now for a while his ability to win the big games, and he still hasn't shown me that he can, though he came close in the CFP. But, you know, still fell a little bit short. I've got Ryan Day at number two. It pains me, man. Uh, we're in a, This is a results-driven world. And the last two years, he, he's, he's had his number. And so even though I don't want to put Jimmy Boy at number one, and I know that this will probably be cut up and sliced up and put all over the team up north's uh, social media pages and everything else, but – Let's face it, man, as, much, as as big as homers as we are, when we rank the Big Ten coaches, Ryan Day's got to be number two right now. That's the first time we've ever put anybody other than the Ohio State coach in our rankings at number one. But this year, that's where we're at. Now, I'm hoping next year when we do this show, Chris, we can flip-flop that. We can change that. Ryan Day will be back on top. But that means you got Jimmy at number one as well. Yes, sir, absolutely. As much as it pains me, I mean, like I said, He's had the success the last two years. All right, everybody, get your questions ready for Ben Hartsock. We're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, he, we're going to bring our special guest on. Cannot wait to talk to him. And we want all of you to interact with him as well. So hang tight. We'll be right back. The OHIO Podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360-degree high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. We are back, everybody, and so thankful to have our special guest with us. Ben Hartsock, Ben, how you doing tonight, buddy? Amazing, amazing, guys. Appreciate you guys having me on. Oh man, we are we are tickled pink to have you. So so grateful to have you with us tonight, man. And I want to start off with by saying this: you posted a video back at the beginning of the season of when the 2002 national championship team got together for the Notre Dame game, and I got to watch that video and. Ben, I don't. I know that you're you're on um, Sirius XM, and you do a lot of social media and a lot of uh, media work in college football, and I love following all of that. You have a career at editing, brother, because I got teary eyed, man. <laughs> you're ki- having your kids and your family with you, taking them to their first Buckeye game, yeah. going on the field and showing your phone, and brother, that was amazing stuff. And I, can I have permission to share that on our, our page? Uh, please. Yeah. And, and I've got to completely deflect the, the talent is in the editing and I do have a young man, actually uh 20 something right out of college that puts my YouTube content together. Nice. Uh, his name's Chad price. And so I had been wanting to, in the world of broadcasting, I've get to see all these amazing sites and universities and stadiums. And I wanted to share for a long time, but it wasn't until I found someone that could put that video that I took into an, you know, a digestible format. So I appreciate you saying that it is very kind. You can check out my YouTube channel. It's just my name, Ben Hartsock. I've been to Ohio state and put together a video. I actually did Ohio state, Michigan in the big house a year ago. Now that was a bummer, but Ole Miss and Penn state and, and different places I've visited uh, in my work as a broadcaster. So yeah, I, I will pass that along to my editor. I'm thankful for your kind words, but I can take zero credit other than I'm the guy there that there's someone with real skill to put that together for me. Ross County boy, huh? Mm-hmm. Southern Ohio, Ross County, got all the way to the big city. I've done a lot of work in Ross County for my job, so I know know where you're from, my fan. Good 
heart of the earth, uh, salt of the earth people there in Ross County. Tell us your recruiting story. How did Ben Hartsock go from the, the fields of Ross County and, and where the Appalachian starts to kind of creep into Ohio to Columbus, Ohio, uh, being a Buckeye? Yeah, my recruiting was in reverse. I recruited Ohio State. Uh, getting recognized is, is a challenge sometimes. And our part of the country, our part of the state isn't uh, as, as well known as Cleveland or Cincinnati as far as being a uh, football powerhouse. And so when I kind of figured, okay, I'm going to have some of the measurables to maybe play college football, of course I wanted to go to Ohio State. My mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, my aunts, like our family was completely indoctrinated in Buckeye culture. And so that's where I wanted to go. But from the part of the world that I grew up in, I wasn't getting those kind of looks. I was getting some smaller looks, Ohio University and West Virginia, Pittsburgh, kind of those, that kind of area. Uh, but I wanted to go to Ohio State. So I went on the offensive and I started, if I found that John Cooper or Andy Geiger, the athletic director at the time was speaking at a touchdown club or a rotary, I went there nice. and put to put together a letter saying, I, you know, I want to come play for the Buckeyes and, and try to get my name out there. I don't know how much it helped, but it, it was. I tell it to young people: if you've got a dream, if you've got a school that you want to go for, don't wait around for them to find you. Go get found. Nobody's going to care more about your career than you. It's than you do, and so be proactive. Uh, but I, I think my real turning point moment, and I know this with fact, was was going to Ohio State's camps. I, they're they're more uh, invite only now, but in my era, everybody went to the same camps, and so you know, going there and proving myself against the competition that came in from across the country. I was actually roommates with Chris Sims, son of Phil Sims, who's now on NBC Sports. And mm -hmm. so to be able to kind of calibrate the Buckeyes to where I fit in against good uh, competition was good. And I, I'll never forget, I, I can point to the moment to where I caught the eye of Ohio State. And it was not uh, running a 40-yard dash. It wasn't in a seven-on-seven -seven drill. It was when the tight ends got pushed over three three uh, practice fields over and we were just off to the side doing drill work and it was the most you know you, you wouldn't think this is the time I'm going to get evaluated or catch an eye but we were doing tight end drill work and I had a, a low level his name's John Hill he's now he's been a high school coach now but at that time he was the lowest rung on the Ohio State ladder he would have been a graduate assistant or a student assistant at that time but we were doing tight end drills and I caught his eye and he went and got the position coach, and then that position coach went and got the uh, recruiting coordinator who got the offensive coordinator, and next thing you know, uh, John Cooper's standing there watching me do drills at Ohio State. And so, again, it's another lesson that I learned is, is you, everybody thinks it's that moment when the spotlight's on that's going to be right. the, the fork in the road, but I, you never know when you're going to catch that person's eye, and so you have to be working your tail off every single moment. And so that's where I got caught and or where I got, uh, you know, caught the eye. And, and from that point on, got on their radar, was offered the scholarship, and my life was forever changed because of it. Thankful for it. All right. Got our first uh, uh, question from a viewer right now who's watching. He says, what up, Ben? This is from Ryan Wickerham. He says, Ben, do you remember me from the Hudson Grill in Atlanta, Georgia, before the Peach Bowl? And John Hicks Foundation uh, beat Michigan dinner in Columbus. I'm pretty sure if you meet Ryan, you you're not gonna uh, not re uh, remember who he is. <laughs> no, I remember. Yeah, I remember Ryan. He came up and and uh, Buckeye fans. They're, yeah. they're everywhere, and you see him here. You see him there. And that that's the funny thing about seeing somebody in Atlanta, and I, and I get this question often about. I live. I'm, we ended up making our home in Georgia after our NFL career, and uh, you know, people are like, why? Well, why would you ever leave Ohio, right? And I, I always, you know, kind of jokingly say that I'm out doing the Lord's work, like right. a mission field, trying to convert these lost souls down here in the South to Buckeye fans. Uh, but, but I'm, yeah, I do remember that. I met Ryan a couple times there, both at the Hudson Grill and then at the John Hicks Foundation there in Columbus a, a couple months ago. All right, Chris, you come up with the next question here for uh, Ben. And uh, by the way, all you who are watching, continue to ask your questions. Larry, I see yours. I'll ask yours when we get to the NFL portion. Go ahead, Chris. Okay, Ben, got to ask. Eric asked you how to got, you got there, but I got to know, what is your favorite memory from Ohio State? Oh, man. On the field or off? The most treasured memory that I have um, – is on the stage at the national championship game. Um, 
that was there there were two distinct memories that i have from that time that that will they, they are family heirlooms something that i'll treasure that i'll never forget two things that happened on that championship stage uh first the moment of clarity even at 22 years old there you stand there and you realize i'm on a championship stage and i'm on the other side of the camera we're sports fans here and we've all grown up watching you know everybody from Patrick Mahomes to John Elway to Michael Jordan to all these guys stand on their championship stage and hold their championship trophy and and on that stage I got the chance to to hold the crystal football and to watch the confetti rain down and it was something so few people get to go to their their dream college fewer get to start fewer even fewer get to play in bowl games and even a select few ever get to win the championship. So that that moment was uh, incredible. And then the other is is a more personal that uh, I mentioned my both my parents are alums from Ohio State. My dad was a student in 1968, which was previous to our championship in 02, the 68 team, super sophomores, Rex Kern and Jim Otis and those guys. Mm-hmm. That My dad was a senior that year. And, and growing up, I heard those stories of my father going – scrounging up enough money to go to Pasadena to a Rose Bowl where Ohio State was the championship after that season. And so to have kind of that that incredible moment and experience for him and I to share that, seeing him in the stands after on that same championship stage, he, he's not an emotional person, but the emotion was there that day of, of being able to be there. It was 36 years prior to when we did it in 2002. Unbelievable experiences and thankful for those memories. That's awesome. All right, we've got a uh, Facebook user says, Hi, Ben. Uh, being a player for both coaches, what was the difference between Coach Coop and Coach Tress? Great question. Yeah, Coach Cooper, I, uh, Coach Cooper, I think, unfairly gets criticized. Everybody knows the struggles versus Michigan, but Coach Cooper was a tremendous developer of talent. He just did it differently. And and the dis- one of the more distinct differences between Coach Cooper and Coach Tressel, Coach Cooper let his coaches coach. He was a, a CEO type of coach, and he had tremendous people that worked for him, John Tenuta and Fred Pugge, uh and, and uh, Bill Conley. So Coach Cooper was more let the coaches coach, whereas uh, Coach Tressel came in, and he was very involved, especially being an offensive coach, and I'm an offensive player. So he's calling plays. He's in the meetings. He was much more active in that role. And then the other thing that Coach Tressel did, uh, he was – extremely focused on reestablishing tradition. He was very, uh, he felt it was very important for uh, us as a team to realize the history of Ohio State. We were doing book reports during training camp on the 46th national championship team at Ohio State with Bill Willis and and Chuck Surrey and these guys. And so he was very, it, it was important for him to understand our history so that we knew the magnitude of what we were today and also ultimately setting the tone for what future generations uh, after us would would be expected of them. That was distinctly unique to what Coach Trussell, him more than any other coach at any other program that I was a part of, that history and tradition was something he thought was very important. Oh, that's a great answer. Uh, gosh, I love Coach Tress, man. I made the joke last week, if I ever had to have dinner with two people, both present and in the past, it would be Jesus Christ and Coach Tressel. <laughs> and I think if you had those two together, could you even imagine? Cause no, Coach, you're right. Coach Tressel is a very a great man of faith, and gosh, that would be... Coach Tressel's influence is is the X's and O's, obviously, you, you know, are impactful, but it is... It's the day-to-day experiences that you see of how he built his life. He, Coach Tressel set models for us. He set habits for us that we didn't know at the time. Like, at the, and you may say, uh, uh, being a man of faith, I, I'm a, a Bible-believing Christian as well. But he modeled for us, and he built into our summer training camp the, the, the discipline of a quiet time. Now, Coach Tressel is a state employee. He can't uh, implement or force a, you know, hey, we're going to read Second Thessalonians today. <laughs> but he started right. every day. We started before practice, before taping, before anything. We would get together and have a meeting, and he would give us five, ten minutes of, of quiet time with our winner's manual, the book that he's put together. It's now out in print form. And he would give us just a a general topic. He had several tabs of leadership or discipline or, um, you know, social issues that that it was full of quotes 
and we would pick a quote, write it down, and then just give a little thought to it. And so I, we always moaned about that. What are we doing? It's 10 minutes. Guy's falling asleep. It's early in the morning. But all I didn't realize it till after that, oh, he's, he's just modeling a, a centering, whether it be through your faith or simply a meditative, get yourself right to start the day. Those are small little things that at 19 years old, you're too dumb to realize what he's doing, but he's playing chess while we're playing checkers, and I'm thankful for those experiences he put in place for us. Oh, man. Well, that's a great story. I, you're not the only one who's told that. Bobby Carpenter talks a lot about mm-hmm. that on his morning mm-hmm. program. I mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. Here's a great question from Ryan. Who was your best assistant coach while at Ohio State? Ooh. Oh, gosh. You know, your position coach is who you spend so much time with. Uh, Bill Conley was my tight ends coach. He was the recruiting coordinator uh, when I was there. So, obviously, his influence was was great but I, I will tell you the the power of a specific one singular interaction i had was with jim bowman jim bowman came in as the offensive coordinator when coach tressel was brought on board and uh jim bowman came from the nfl he had been with the philadelphia eagles i believe when he before he came to ohio state and so all of us want to go pro but at the same time all of us i don't care all, you know who we were we always kind of wonder do we have what it takes and so jim bowman uh, unsolicited just came up to me after a practice and he says, young man, you're going to, you're going to have a long and successful NFL career. And I'll tell you, you know, we all kind of are nervous at times and me more than most. I can't tell you how much that meant to me that I wasn't asking him, coach, do you think I'm good enough? No, he just saw that the work that I was putting in and thought, Hey, I'm going to give him a pat on the back and an, an assurance of what I see in him. That, that to me is the essence of coaching is seeing something in someone, a young person, that they don't see in themselves and bringing it out. It's like that block of marble that the artists say, I see what's inside of this block of marble. Let me chisel away and bring it out. That is what coaches do, and that's what uh, Jim Bowman did for me. That, that Throughout my coaching, or throughout my Ohio State career, there were a couple of those moments. The Jim Bowman, right when I was a junior type, really thinking, man, I might, I'm starting now, pretty good player. Maybe I can go NFL, and boy, that really buoyed me and helped me find some more belief. As a true freshman, when I was I was redshirting, it was Fred Pugage, the defensive uh, linebackers coach and defensive coordinator. I'm lost in the purgatory of the scout team, fresh out of a small school in Southern Ohio, really wondering if I'm going to make it. I'm already a redshirt, but I'm I'm doing my best in scout team, and I'll never forget. I was going against James Cotton, and if you guys remember James Cotton. <laughs> That dude. Oh, we know. He's still huge, man. I saw him him at the Peach Bowl, and I'm like, I I told him this story because I didn't know if he had remembered it or one. But I had done a nice job against James Cotton. And again, unsolicited uh, Fred Pugge, an All-American at Ohio State, a longtime NFL player, a ton of respect in the coaching world, came up to me and said, you're going to help our football team, young man. And I'll tell you, in, in that moment where you're stuck in that scout team wondering if you've got what it takes, the power of a word of encouragement from someone that you think the world of was so powerful. So I got a few of those throughout the course of my time at Ohio State. That It, it just reminds me now as a person that a lot of people think has some sort of pedigree or some sort of respectability how much – influence I can have to hopefully positively encourage someone to so you to say hey go go chase that dream of yours um the great transition actually into Larry Daniels question uh speaking on on what you did right there Larry says welcome Ben how easy or difficult was the transition from OSU to the NFL uh, it it was difficult um but it was mental 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 if, if, if you get chosen, and I was drafted into the NFL, and so if you're drafted in the NFL, y- you can run fast enough, you're strong enough, you have the measurables. You're not drafted unless you have some sort of skill that you've demonstrated on t- tape that's good enough to be there. The reason why guys struggle uh, often are mental. And so my biggest struggle was fear, pure, purely mental. It was Going to the Indianapolis Colts, a team with great pedigree, Tony Dungy, Hall of Fame, Bill Polian, General Moser, Hall of Fame, Peyton Manning, Hall of Fame, all these guys, that was a train that was moving very fast. And you've got to jump on. That train's not slowing down. You've got to get on at their tempo and run with it or you get left to the side. And I struggled with that. I'm, I'm a naturally wound tight type of person. And so I struggled in that space, even though I came 
from a tremendous pedigree of Ohio State, national champion, all Big Ten player, all of those things that should have made that transition easy. But for me, it was a real, real struggle. And so that's why I only lasted two and a half seasons with that team. But thankfully, uh, God had different plans for me. I got a fresh start with the Tennessee Titans. Things uh, got going better there. And I was that, that was really the true launch for my NFL career was starting in Tennessee when things started breaking my way and I was able to break through some of my mental blocks. I wish I would have been able to stay with one time with Indianapolis, win that Super Bowl in 2006. I got cut right after training camp that year, so I was so close, uh, but it wasn't in the cards for me. Oh, man, we got a couple more great questions here, Ben, before uh, from these listeners. They're really soaking this up. I'm enjoying this. Thank you again so much. Um, let's see here. Let me throw this one at you here from Don Hoffer. I actually had this one on my list, Don. Have you ever considered coaching at Ohio State, or let's say anywhere for that instance, um, and following the footsteps of other former players currently on the coaching staff? Now, I know you've got two young daughters Mm -hmm. and a family, which probably, I I know we've heard James talk about this, you know, in his situation. So uh, maybe maybe you can shine some light on that personally for everybody tonight. Yeah, you know, as, as hard as playing is, coaching is harder. It could, because as many hours as guys put in the locker room and the weight room and the practice fields, all that time we're there, the coaches are there. And then when we go home, the coaches are still there. And so the, the, the work-life quote-unquote balance is it's next to impossible. Um, and, and guys like Laurinaitis and Hartline and, and you know Freeman and these guys that are doing great things, Luke Fickle, those guys – I don't know that they can do anything else. It's, it's, it's almost like I heard a friend talk about he got the offer to be a, a, a pastor in ministry, and the advice given to him is they said, if you can do anything else with your life, do it. Because they, the only way you should get into ministry if there's, is if there's nothing else you feel like on this earth that you can do. And I think the, the best coaches, that's what that is, is that there's nothing. These guys are all consumed by what that job, because it is a consuming type of job. I, my, my dad is a farmer in Southern Ohio. He still goes, he's in his mid seventies and he still goes to the farm each and every day. My dad wakes up every day knowing I'm here to farm. And for me, I've never had that, that draw. And so I think I would be selling myself short because I, I don't think that I'm consumed with it the way that these other guys uh, are. And ultimately the, the world for broadcasting for me has been a much, much better fit where I, I get to share the passion. The, the thing, I've, I've got a more narrow lens working with Sirius. I'm on college sports radio, and I'm on the Big Ten channel. My focus is on those magical four years we have as college athletes, and I get to share what I think is most important about those, those foundational concepts in college that are in many ways crumbling around us. I, I, you know, I, I spend a lot of time being the canary in the coal mine amidst what's happening in college athletics, and I, I buffer all that of my concerns by saying as long as it's the, the Scarlet and Gray, we'll still watch no matter what happens with all of the madness we're living in right now. Uh, but it certainly will be a lot different than what we knew college athletics to be. Great answer. Uh, you're, you're right about that. Real quick, though, um, on, on that note, James Laurinaitis, how do you think he's going to do? Oh, I think he's going to be spectacular. Uh, he, he, he is relational. He is the, the new generation of, of athletes. And I think this newest generation of coaches that are attracted to these types of athletes are a lot like Brian Hartline. I see a lot of Brian Hartline in James Laronitis that those guys are magnetic in their personality, their pedigree and their, their, the respect they have for the, in, the individual achievements they've had as college players and NFL players. They will have that credibility in spades. And I believe they're fundamentally in it for the right reasons. They're, they're in it to say, hey, come here. Be a part of the greatness that is this university and this developmental program at Ohio State. And every dream you have of NFL success and future success will be there for you. So I I, I believe absolutely James Laronitis will be an absolute home run in the coaching industry. All right. Uh, Brad Oberding says, Ben, do you think that Maurice Claire, this is a tough one. You don't, I, I don't know if you want to answer this or not. Maybe you will. Ben, do you think that Maurice Claret was toxic or positive for the O2 team? You know, it, it, making it that binary is a is a little is a little tricky. I, I I talk with Maurice. We I've had him on my Big Ten show and love him, but that was a tumultuous time 
college is a tumultuous time in all of our lives, and Maurice even more so because there was a lot of outside factors that he was working with. There's one thing that you can't deny, and if you, I know you've talked to lots of guys on that O2 team. We all knew the day he showed up as an early enrollee, he was the real deal. Talent, talent, talent. But his struggle was always rolling into the brotherhood. The, you know, some of those things that, that, especially as a freshman, there's rites of passage. You know, upperclassmen are the guys that go first in the drills. Well, Maurice wanted to kind of bucket that trend. He wanted to kind of push back on some of those uh, rites of passage that have been in for generations. And those were some of the struggles. But we were, we were always willing to bring him in. But I didn't – I always say this about my time at Ohio State, like to be young and dumb. We, uh, so often we were simply naive to some of the outside things. Like the whole uh, thing that happened in, in Arizona with Maurice losing his friend and, and the tension between the athletic department and him – Maybe I was ignorant to it more than most, but I think a lot of us were so laser focused on why we're here and what we're doing that I think the coaches obviously help us try to keep compartmentalize that because we've got a task at hand. But I also think that's kind of the the ignorance of youth at, as well. And so I'm thankful for the time that I had with Maurice. I'm also uh, thankful for where he is now. That's it, it, he is absolutely crushing and and his time incarcerated. If you've heard him speak on these topics. Yeah. Uh, were unbelievably formative for him. And while I'm sure he wouldn't wish it on his worst enemy, uh, he has certainly capitalized on that crappy circumstance, and I'm thankful for it. Yeah, he's he's doing such a positive work for a mm -hmm. lot of young people right now. Um, yeah, very, very um, uh, positive, like I said, and just uh, looking forward to maybe getting to speak to him one day. Ben, I'm going to ask you a quick question. Chris, get your last one ready, uh, and we'll quickly run out of time. And I know you're a family man. I don't want to keep you too late tonight, Fed. Um, the tight end position in Ryan Day's offense. What do you think, buddy? Wish hey. you had that. <laughs> Stover, fine. So it's, it's, it's a running joke in my radio show on the Big Ten channel. Every year uh, I get a, a Google alerts that say, Ohio State tight ends haven't caught over 30 passes since Ben Hartsock in 2003. I have gotten that every every preview season, late August, late July, early August, the tight end preview. It's not since Ben Hartsock. And so my Big Ten buddies, they're all like, well, you, oh, so you're the single season receiver record. No. And I'm like, no, it's like Ricky Dudley or John Frank. Like there's, I, I'm just the most recent guy that actually caught a few passes. But for whatever reason, that statistic got caught in the Ohio State sports media ether. And so I've been rooting for Stover to beat. I, it was Ruckert before Stover and, and uh, you know, the guys for, before him. And so thankfully for Stover, he at least broke through that, that barrier. I think he got 35, 36 by the end. Um, you, you know, the, the thing about it in – Stover's always going to have to struggle with the fact that for the past six years, the Ohio State wide receiver room has been an absolute juggernaut, and it just continues to be an animal that feeds itself. And so even while you know Jackson Smith and Jigba's moving on, Marvin Harrison and Fleming and these guys and Mbuka are still there. So that machine is, is rolling. And so it, it, ultimately you have to be ready when your opportunity comes. And so you know when I was at Ohio State, Michael Jenkins was still doing his thing and and Drew Carter was still obviously doing his thing. And, and, and Coach Cooper reminded this at the, uh, the reunion back in September. Santonio Holmes and Anthony Gonzalez were the scout team guys that year we won the national championship. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's always going to be somebody out there that you're having to compete against. But the good thing for a guy like me, a guy like Stover, is eventually – they're going to X out. Okay, we may not, we may not lose, or we may not beat Ohio State, but we're not going to let Marvin Harrison Jr. beat us. And so then they're going to X him out. They may put punt vice coverage on him, and then they may do it to Julian Fleming, and they may do it to Mbuka, and eventually it'll find the, the opportunity to Stover. And so all you can do, instead of being frustrated about the balls that you're not getting thrown, is be ready when they do come. And that, I, that's what I've seen Stover do in in huge, huge moments throughout his career. You can share his um, nickname we gave him, Ben, on your show. I think it's perfect. We call him the Combine. <laughs> right? I mean, I think yeah. that's perfect. Yeah, uh, I've heard Farm Gronk. You know, <laughs> Farm I think Gronk, that, yeah. that one's pretty good as well. Uh, you know, it is 
it's interesting, and, and I try to reach out to all the tight ends that come through that that uh, program at Ohio State, and it's fun with him because of the agricultural background, my own agricultural yeah. background. It's it's fun to see him capitalize. While I not a giant fan of what's going on with NIL, it's it's interesting to see how a guy like him that does have a a, a different, unique kind of life experience and life circumstance, and how he's working and, and capitalizing. I don't, I don't know if you saw this from uh, some steer show not too long ago. They had a costume show with the steer show that Stover and Steel Chambers were at, and there was a a, a black Angus steer dressed as the drum major at Ohio State, and Stover and the boys were there celebrating with him. And I thought, man, that is that is pretty slick. <laughs> oh, Steel Chambers. Well, he's a he's a national treasure as well. <laughs> so, all right, Chris, go ahead and ask your last question before we wrap this up. All right. Well, you kind of transitioned into it a little bit, Ben. You uh, you know, you mentioned that you contact these guys that come through and play tight end at Ohio State. What do you think of this this season's tight end room? This this group that we have in there right now. Well, let's see. I mean, everybody knows Stover. I've got the t- I always bring the depth chart when I'm, I'm talking about there. Gee Scott's a guy that's been in the program, you know, that's trying to do as best he can, and Mitch Rossi and Joe Royer. I mean, ultimately, they're going to continue to ask to be versatile. You see these guys, say, you know, they're all over the formation. They're on the line of scrimmage. They're off the line of scrimmage. They're going to be asked to be a big part of the run game, and, and ultimately there will be critical times where they're – going to be asked to come up with big catches and key moments. And that's all that you can ask of these guys. And so when you've got a guy like Stover, who's got a tremendous amount of experience, multiple year starter now, uh, you know, hopefully his injuries aren't, uh, you know, he's fully recovered from his injuries. And then the guys that fill in around him, it's, it's setting your stage for what's next. I, it took me two years backing up Darnell Sanders before I was the quote unquote, you know, unquestioned starter but those two years learning under a guy like like Darnell and and being his bat you know being being his Robin to his Batman uh, was was huge and so for those young guys to learn under Cade to come back for this uh, additional year tremendous opportunity tremendous experience and I'm thankful that he's put one thankful he came back for one more year. Yeah, I I am as well. I I I think he's going to have a great year and he's so valuable to this team. I, I really believe that. Um, ben, I, man, I could talk to you for hours and I, I got to bring you back because I want to dive into more of the what's going on in college football and, and the trajectory of where this sport is heading. Because I, I think your your comments and your thoughts, the little ones you gave me there, uh, gave us there are very valuable. And I would love to talk more to you about that. But I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you my famous last question that I always ask everybody uh, on the way out of any interview I do in I know you're probably going to be like, gosh, Eric, that's how can I answer that in just a few minutes? But what does it mean to Ben Hartsock to be a Buckeye? Uh, uh, that, that is a great question and, and hard to wrap up in a, in a little, a uh, little soundbite. Um, outside of my, my parents and the community I grew up in, my experience at Ohio state is what shaped me into what I am today. In, in every way, shape, or form, the, the, the work ethic that I have, the ability to discipline myself and, and challenge myself and work hard was taught in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center and was held accountable to people that came before me for, from, from coaches that either uh, you know, were, were at Ohio State, played at Ohio State. So the, the, the core foundations of who I am today, professionally, uh, spiritually, as a father, as a, as a husband, as a friend, uh, were shaped by, by, by Coach Tressel, by Coach Cooper, by teammates, by uh, the institution and the, the, the system that, that Ohio State represents. And that's why I am so passionate about defending the college, the college model, the amateur model, uh, because it is it, it, amateur athletics are the most the, the, our country's developer of young people. I say there are two things in this in this country that we have that develops more young people than anything else: the U.S. military and youth athletics. Amateur athletics and college is the crown jewel of that. And and college athletics. This is my most recent illustration. College athletics are like a national park. The, the, if you've ever been to Yellowstone and you go right outside of the gate. There's every commercial uh, water park and Walmart and and uh, every kind of luxury you would want. 
But as soon as you go through that gate, the, the national park is set apart. And college athletics has been that national park, this beautiful institution that is set apart and, and different. And right now, changing the, the foundations of, of professionalizing college sports, it's like building a water park next to Old Faithful. It, you know, the, if you want to make money, and if money is our North Star, then, then you should be putting in condos next to the Grand Canyon. It, it's not the most efficient use of that, those resources financially to have those national parks the way they are, but we've set them apart. And college sports has been set apart for the entirety of our existence, uh, but we are watching those things change, and it feels like that we're putting condos in right next to the Grand Canyon. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's sad in a lot of ways, um, but you know I know there's two different sides to that debate. But um, man, I'm so thankful, Ben, that you uh, that you came and you joined us tonight. Thank your dear wife for letting uh, sharing you with us for about 30 minutes. Uh, Larry Daniels, thanks you for being tonight. Uh, great show, he said. Thank you, Larry, for those kind words. We want to remind all of you: tune in next week. It's our fourth anniversary next week. Uh, that's right. Four horsemen. Uh, we will, we will have uh, a lot of prizes. We want to share that with you. Uh, so you're not going to want to miss next weekend show everybody. Uh, make sure you, you're here at 8 PM Sunday night next week. So you can have a chance to win a nice little prize again. Thank you so much, Ben. We truly appreciate it. We will have you back on. Uh, hopefully we, we, we hope you enjoyed your time with us. As always, guys, remember, be kind to one another. I owe, I owe someone's OH and sing Carmen, Ohio with all your heart. And until next time, OH. I owe. I owe. Go Bucks. <laughs> Thanks, guys.